1 Peter chapter 2, look at verse 5. Peter tells us here, he says, Ye, now that ye there is to every born-again believer in Jesus Christ, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, an holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Amen. Now skip down to verse 9. Skip down to verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation. Talking again to born-again believers in Jesus Christ. Ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, an holy nation, a peculiar, pe peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I want to preach this morning on a great truth that some people don't realize as born-again believers, that we all are priests unto God our Father. This is called the priesthood of believers. You're, called, you're There in verse 9, you're called, it's called a royal priesthood. In verse 5, it says that you're built up a holy Priesthood, guys, brothers and sisters, you are all priests in God's eyes. Now, what does that mean? That's what we're going to look at this morning, what that means to everybody in this room. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for Jesus Christ, Lord God. And I thank you, Father, that you've given us your word, Lord God, that we can read it and study it, Lord God. We don't have to rely on a, on a religion or on a denomination or on, a, on another man to tell us what you believe, Lord. We can read it right here, Father, in our lap, Lord God, and find out for the truth from you, Lord God. And we pray, Father, for some wisdom there, Lord. We pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit will move among us, leading God and direct us in all truth, Lord. But we do pray, Father, that you'll give us some healing in the church, Lord God, with our church family, Lord. Be with those that aren't able to make it out here this morning, Lord God. I pray a blessing on them, Lord. And Father, we just thank you for salvation in Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you, Lord God, that you do make us priests unto you, Lord God. Help us to understand what that means and what that means our duty is, Lord God. Now, Father, I just pray, Lord, that uh, you'll be with us through the rest of these services. In Jesus Christ, holy name I pray. Amen. So if you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, you're a, royal, you're a royal priest. There in verse 9, you're part of a royal priesthood. You're a holy priesthood. Guys, what does that mean? What does that mean to everybody? Well, the first thing that means is, and this is the most important thing maybe to some people, what the first thing that means is you don't need to go to another man that's between you and God. You know, there's not another priest between you and God. It's just you and God and Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ. You can go to Father personally yourself. There's nobody that's a mediator between you and God except for Jesus Christ. There's no priest between you and Jesus Christ and God. That's so important. Why is that so important, brother? That's so important because that means you don't have to go to a priest, be it a Catholic priest or some other priest, and ask for forgiveness of sins. Amen. That, that's what that means. You don't have to go to a priest and ask for forgiveness of sins. Now, that's what the Catholic Church will teach. The Catholic Church will teach they have a priesthood. They have a higher, a higher priesthood. They have little hierarchies. And you go up to this priest and you say, I need to, I need to go into, uh, into the booth. And they'd go, you go into confessional and the priest will listen to all your dirty secrets you tell. And, you, and then you're, he tells you how many Hail Marys you're supposed to say. That's nowhere in the Bible. And what some Catholics saved, there's some saved Catholics, so what some saved Catholics don't understand, you're just, just as much a priest as he is. Amen. It's called the priesthood of believers. It's a royal priesthood. And everybody that's a born-again believer in Jesus Christ has this same, is, a, is the same priest and has the same responsibilities as that. Now, as far as this priesthood and the confession of sins, look at, just keep your hand here, but turn back to James chapter, James chapter 5. Excuse me. James chapter 5. Just a couple of pages probably in your Bible. James chapter 5, verse 16. And I'll show you where they try to get this. This is their proof verse. This is the verse that a Catholic would use to say, well, going to confessional is what you need to do. It's in the Bible. That's what they'll say. And this is a verse they'll use. James chapter 5, verse 16. This is a verse that they'll use. James chapter 5, verse 16. Make sure I got the sound turned off. James chapter 5, verse 16. James says, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Amen. Now, the, verse, the first of that verse says, confess your faults one to another. Let me point out, first thing I want to point out to you, it says, confess your what? Sins? No, it says, confess your faults. Amen. The truth is, I don't want to hear all about your sins. I mean, I want to help you with your faults. You say, brother, I have a fault with this. Would you help pray for me? Yes, I'll pray for you. Hey, and I have this fault. Will you help me pray? But we don't need to know every wicked detail of every one of our sins to one another. 
Amen. We don't need to hear it. That's why we don't watch some of the movies. We don't watch some certain TV. Because you say, well, that's just, and you hear people say, it's just real life. People really talk that way. People really act that way. Yeah, I know, but I don't need to be watching that. Yeah, of course, people act that way and talk that way, but I don't need to be watching that. And I don't need somebody to come up to me and say, let me tell you what I did. For it, comes from a, it goes from a confessional to a bragging. And I've had people do that. Don't talk about sins. And you're like, after a while, you're like, man, are you confessing this sin? Or are you, are you bragging about this sin? They're almost proud of it. Guys, it's confession, confessing faults. It's confessing faults. Another thing, uh, uh, if you had a, a priest, if I was to go to a priest, a Catholic priest, and I was to go into a confessional booth, and sit in a confessional booth and say, okay, I'm going to confess my sins, I would walk out of that confessional booth and I'd tell that Catholic priest, okay, let's switch places. <laughs> you go in there and I'll go in there. And then, you know, he'd look at me. What do you, let's switch places. Because it says one to another. You see that? Confess your faults one to another. That's to each, to each other. You don't have a priest. It doesn't say confess your faults or confess your sins to a priest. It says confess your faults one to another. It could be any brother or sister. Let me give you some really, really good Christian advice. And this is kind of worldly advice. Make sure you're confessing your faults to somebody you can trust. Yeah, exactly. Who's that? That's a good attitude to have. Who's that? Well, nobody. Because sometimes you'll say, man, I really, I, I'm just having a problem. And before you, how long? It's just, you know, they're calling on somebody on the phone. They're putting it on Facebook and, you know, all this other stuff. You're like, no, man, it's, it's between me and you. So you want to confess your faults one to another, a good brother or sister that you can trust in the Lord. So what that means, first off, being a, being a priest means that you don't, have to go, you don't have to go to any other man. You don't have to go to me. We have a prayer altar down here at, at the church. So somebody is, during the service, the Lord moves and moves on your heart. And you want to come down here and get down on your knees and pray. That's between you and the Lord. If you want me to get down and pray with you, I'll definitely do it. I've done it plenty of times. But that's between you and the Lord. It's not for you to confess your sins to me or do anything else. It's just a, it's an opportunity to come down here and pray. And you can do the same thing in your pew. You can do the same thing at home. You can do the same thing on your car. It's, it's a spiritual thing, guys. It's a spiritual thing. Amen. It's a spiritual thing. All right, so back in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. So what does this mean, Brother Kigan? What does this mean? It says there in verse 5, Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So this, does this mean that I need to start wearing a, 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 a black suit and a, black, a, a, a white collar and turn my collar around and start walking around? Does this mean I need to start dressing funny like it's Halloween? Does this mean, no, that's not. Nobody in here needs to start dressing like Johnny Cash. What this means is it's, it's a spiritual thing. Amen. And that's why I keep reading that verse because I'm hoping if I read it enough, you'll catch on to what Peter's saying. Look at it again. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house. Look. And holy priesthood, what kind of sacrifices are you offering? Spiritual sacrifices. Amen. This is different. And this is kind of what we were going on and on about in Sunday school. We're talking about how what's wrong with Gentiles, what's wrong with the churches, we always think in the flesh. You, the, the Bible says we're royal priesthood. We're, we're a royal priest. Everybody's a priest. So then you have some people say, okay, then I need to start wearing robes. I need to start dressing a certain way. I need to start looking like a priest. I need, no, this is a spiritual thing. This is a spiritual thing between you and God. And you're going to be offering spiritual sacrifices. There's nobody in here that's going to kill a spotless lamb. When God calls you a, a, a holy priesthood, a royal priesthood, we're not going to be going down and, and finding the spotless lamb, going down, cutting his throat, pouring his blood on an altar. We're not going to be doing any of that. Our lamb has already been sacrificed. That lamb was Jesus Christ, once and forever. That's what Hebrews tells us. Jesus Christ is that spotless lamb. He's already been sacrificed. And who is our high priest? Our high priest is Jesus Christ, Hebrews chapter 8. So we got a, we got the, the priesthood order is we're priests, and then our high priest is Jesus Christ. Say, well, I, 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 I've been a Catholic all my life, and I, I know I'm a born again, but I've got to confess my sins to a priest. Well, if you're going to have to confess your sins to a priest, go to the high priest. His name is Jesus Christ. Amen. Go to him. Get down. Say, Jesus Christ, please forgive me my sins. I've done this and done that. Go to him. Don't go to Mary to go to get to Jesus Christ. Don't waste your time with Mary. Just push Mary out of the side and go straight to Jesus Christ. Why would I want to waste my time with Mary? 
Push Mary to the side, my Catholic friends, and go straight up to Jesus Christ. I'm telling my Catholic friends and anybody in this room that doesn't understand, you are a priest unto God. You are. When he said he's not talking to pastors there or, anybody, or elders or bishops of the church, he's talking to born-again believers in Jesus Christ. Ye also are lively stones. You're like pearls. Lively stones like pearls. Are built up a spiritual house. A holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. How is it acceptable to God? Because I went to Mary, or I went to St. Thomas, or I'm going through Muhammad, or I'm going through... No, the Bible's very specific. You can't get around it. It's, it's acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. It's because we, we got that one sacrifice, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Now that allows us as priests to enter into the Holy of Holies where God resides and to commune with Him. And what's amazing about that, when you approach Jesus, when you approach God on His throne, when you approach God through the precious blood of Jesus Christ, Hebrews 4 tells us that God's not sitting on the throne of condemnation. God's sitting on the throne of grace. Amen. Man, that's, that's, a, that's a wonderful thing. That's a wonderful thing. So look at Romans chapter 12. You're supposed to be doing, Romans 12, 1, I'll show you this. You're supposed to be doing spiritual sacrifices, not physical sacrifices. So many Christians, what keeps them from, uh, keeps them become, so many Christians, so many people who are lost, that keeps them from becoming Christians is they think, once I accept Jesus Christ, I'm going to have to give up this and give up that. And they think of all the physical things they're going to lose. They think of all the physical things you're going to lose. And they're going to have to sacrifice all these physical things in their life. And I'm here to tell you that when you receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you, it, this physical things, that's not where the sacrifice is. The sacrifice is going to be spiritual. Amen. There's going to be spiritual things. It's a spiritual thing. Look at verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable Service. You're thinking about all these fleshly things you're going to have to get rid of, but really the truth is you're going to, it's, your, it's you. Your body. You say, you know what? Now I belong to God. Amen. Now I'm a, I'm a priest of God, and I need to, I need to do sacrifices. And these, these are spiritual sacrifices, but I'm going to have to get my body ready for God. Why is that? Because Jesus Christ said, without me you can do nothing. When did he say that? He said that in John 15. And in John 15, he said, Without me, you can do nothing. Because you are the branch. I am the vine. He produces the fruit off the branch. All of us in here are branches. Jesus Christ is working through you to produce the fruit. So how does he do that? You've got to allow him to do that through your body. You've got to get this body ready for Jesus Christ to produce fruit from it. That's what you're doing. You're sacrificing this body, telling it No. The Bible goes on to say that your body, is, that you should crucify the flesh. Amen. Jesus Christ said, pick up your cross daily, daily and follow me. It's a daily crucifixion. It's every day you're like, you know what? No, no, no. Now, Thanksgiving time, Thanksgiving time rolled around. It was hard for us to sit at the table and say no. It's all yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but no, we should tell ourselves no, it's a living sacrifice. We sacrifice, our sacrifice, brothers and sisters, our sacrifice is ourselves. If you came in this morning, that's a sacrifice to the Lord God. It really is. Because you could have been doing anything else. And you said, you know what, I want to come in, I want to get, I want to try to study God's word, I want to get closer to God, I want to learn more about Jesus Christ, I want to feel the Holy Spirit move. That's, that's, a, that's a living sacrifice. That's a living sacrifice unto, unto Lord our God. Look at Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 8. Leviticus chapter 8. So if you know that, if you in here know Leviticus chapter 8, if, you in here, if you're in here and you realize that you're a priest, there's some things that come with that. And what you can do, and I'm going to show you some things about that. Le Leviticus chapter 8, verse 22. Once you know that you're a priest unto God, you can go back now, and you can read through your Old Testament. And while you're reading through your Old Testament, you can apply things spiritually to what God's doing with the priest in the Old Testament, with Aaron. Now, you know that some of this stuff, you're not applying this stuff. 
So what, when, you look at, when you read your Bible, and I encourage you, as we're getting to the end of the year, I'm going to start encouraging you all to start reading your Bible, get a Bible reading plan going. But when you're reading your Bible, there's three applications to every verse. Every verse you read, including the verse we got here, verse 22, that verse there has got a historical application, meaning that historically somewhere in time that took place. This took place. This is, this is mainly... Your Bible mainly is a history book. It's not a science book. It's not a math book. But when it speaks on science, it's accurate, amen? But it's not a science book. But when it speaks on science, it's always 100% accurate. When it speaks on math, it's always 100% accurate. But it's mainly a history book. That's why the, when you're reading through the Old Testament, sometimes it's kind of boring to you because you're like, man, all these names in here and this king and that king, who cares? Well, God cares. Why are we reading all this history? Because it's the history of somebody very important to God. Who, me? No, not you. I'm not important to God. Yeah, you're important to God. Why are you important to God? Because of his son. What's important to God the Father is his son. Amen. Jesus Christ. So all this history you're reading is about Jesus Christ. So when you get into these, this priesthood, that God raises up out of Israel, what you can do when you're reading your Bible, you can say, okay, there's verse 22 there. That's a historical application that really took place. And then there's a doctrinal application. There's three applications, historical, doctrinal, and spiritual. So you got the historical application, like here's this verse. You say, okay, this verse, it exists in time. This was written down in history. Secondly, doctrinally. Doctrinally means it teaches something religiously. In other words, Religiously, where does this apply? Does, who's, he, who's God talking to? Well, he's not talking to a Christian in verse 22. Look, and he brought the other ram, the ram of consecration, and Aaron and the, his sons laid their hands upon the head of the ram. Okay, that hist, hist, in history that really happened. There was a time where there was a man named Aaron, and the ram was brought, and Aaron and his sons, they reached out and put their hands on a ram. That historically took place. Doctrinally, what's the religious teaching on that? Well, who's God talking to? Is he talking to you? Doctrinally? No. He's not, there's not a Christian anywhere in this verse. Who is that? That's Israel. That's Israel after the giving of the law. That's to a Jew. The church is nowhere to be found. So you, doctrinally, you say, I can't apply this verse to myself doctrinally. In other words, God's not speaking to me doctrinally. God does not want me to go out and get a ram and put my hand on its head. See what I'm saying? How I'm showing this? But what's the third application? The third application to every verse you read in your Bible is spiritually. You can take verses like this and spiritually say, okay, if I'm a priest, are you a physical priest or a spiritual priest? Spiritual, right? You're making spiritual sacrifices, a spiritual house. Okay, so if I'm a spiritual priest, then I can apply these Physical priest, I can apply some of this stuff spiritually. Like I can say, okay, how does this apply to me spiritually speaking? So let's read this together. So Ram, Aaron reached out his hands, touched the ram. You've got to reach your hands out and touch Jesus. Verse 23, and he slew it. And Moses took of the blood of it and put it on the tip of Aaron's right ear and upon the thumb of his right hand and upon the great toe of his right foot. Now when you're reading through that, you say, that's weird. Cuts that ram's throat. They take the blood, and they take that blood, and they put a little bit here. And they put a little bit of blood on the right thumb. And they put a, bit, a little bit of blood on that right big toe. And I always thought that was interesting. Well, spiritually, how do you apply verse 23 to your priesthood, spiritual priesthood? Well, number one, when you, anywhere you see blood, Jesus Christ. Amen. Right? The blood of Jesus Christ. So if you've got a sacrifice here and you see the blood of Jesus Christ... The blood of Jesus Christ, as you're, as you're a priest of God spiritually, the blood of Jesus Christ has been put on your right ear, brothers and sisters, been put on your right uh, hand, and it's been put on your right foot, your big toe. What does that mean? How do you apply that spiritually? Why would God do that? Well, God does that because what do you want for your right ear? That's to hear God's word. To hear God's word. So every priest, God says, needs to hear my word. Amen. Every, everybody, every priest. Well, who's a priest? Everybody that's a born-again believer in Jesus Christ needs to hear God's Word. You need to hear it. You need to hear it preached. You need to read it. You need to hear God's Word. So when you, and you need to hear it, what? The blood's on there. You need to hear it through the blood of Jesus Christ. 
You've got to have the blood of Jesus Christ to be able to hear that God's word. The Bible says this book is spiritually discerned. The unnatural man cannot understand this book. That's why a lost man of the world, they get this book and they, they look at it and they don't understand it. They're like, what's the desire of it? But then you have a born-again believer and they're reading every word of it. Amen. It's like, you read that book every day? Every day. Amen. It's boring. I love it. There's some parts in there that kind of bore me, but I can see some spiritual things in there. You can't explain that. You've got to hear it through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's God's word. It says, and, put, and, it says, and upon the thumb of his right hand. I hate, to, I hate to tell you left-handed people, but there's nothing good said about the left hand in the Bible. <laughs> My mom was left-handed, so I'm not making fun of you. My mom was left-handed. My mom was so strange about being left-handed. She forced me to eat with my left hand when I was a kid. And I'm right-handed. So what's the big deal about that? Well, I'm 22 years old, and I'm sitting at the dinner table. I'm sitting across, I was eating, and I was eating, and they said, I didn't know you were left-handed. And I looked down, and I had the fork in my left hand. And I'd been, for 22 years, been eating that way, and didn't realize, and I said, I don't, I'm eating left-handed because my mom taught me that way. So then I put the fork into my right hand. Guess what? I can't eat that way. <laughs> it ruined me. I, it's just like... Like, I might as well have a boxing glove on or something like that. So to this day, I still use my left hand. It drives my wife crazy. We sit in a booth, get over there, and I'm pow, 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 hitting her with my left hand. And she's like, let's switch out. And I'm like, no, you're not going to be on the outside. i got to be on the outside, you know, be the manly man. And you just keep taking my elbows as I'm, you know, slopping it in. But it's on the right hand. What does that say? Work for God. Aaron, Aaron as a high priest, Aaron as a priest was supposed to work for God. Guys, you're supposed to be working for God. As a priest, you're not only supposed to be hearing God's word, you're supposed to be working for God. Amen. Through what? Through the power of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's right there on the right thumb. you got work to do. So every priest underneath the sound of my voice, every born-again believer needs to be hearing God's word through the blood of Jesus Christ, needs to be working for God through the blood of Jesus Christ, and finally it says there, and upon the great toe of his right foot. You need to be following God. You need to be following Jesus Christ through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So every high priest, God anointed Aaron. And when, he, when Moses, through God's, uh, God's direction, anointed Aaron here in this verse 23, he says, okay, take that blood, and I want you to put it on his right ear. I want you to put it on his right thumb. And I want you to put it on his, big, his right foot on his big toe. Hear God's word. Work for God. And he's sanctified to be following God. Everybody underneath my sound of my voice needs to be doing that. Be following God. Doing it how? It's all about the blood. And if you're not applying the blood of Jesus Christ through this stuff, it's not going to work very well. I go so far as to say it's not going to work at all. And sometimes you might be working thinking, I'm doing this great thing for God, and if it's not through the precious blood of Jesus Christ, I think you're wasting your time. You're just doing it for yourself. You're doing, doing it to be seen a man. If I, I, you're saying, well... Brother Keegan, I've been trying to do something for God, and it's not been working out. Well, why don't you stop and make sure you're doing it in the, in, in, through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. The power's in the blood. We sing about it, right? The power's in the blood. It's in the blood of Jesus Christ. So you need to, have that, you need to trust in that power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Well, I have this sin, and I'm having trouble getting rid of this sin. Have you asked in the, power of the, name, in the name of Jesus Christ, through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, for God to cleanse you? Lord, cleanse me in the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, help me in the blood. Plead that blood of Jesus Christ. That's the most precious thing you got. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. Spiritually speaking, because you can't physically see the stuff, right? Y'all can't, y'all can look, I say, I'm covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. And you look at me in the flesh and say, no, he's not. But spiritually speaking, I am. See, all these, these are spiritual things. So, any non-believer, any Christian that's living in the flesh, they hear Christians say that about the blood of Jesus Christ, and they, they, can't, they don't get it. They don't get it because they're looking for something physical. You're not going to sit physical. This is all spiritual talk. So you're applying a spiritual application to Aaron's right ear, Aaron's right hand, Aaron's right foot. That's your right hand, your right uh, foot, and your ear, your right ear. It's all about being right-minded. It's all about Jesus Christ sitting on the right hand of God. The rod always represents power in the Bible. Look at Numbers chapter 17. T turn to the right a little bit and turn to Numbers chapter 17. I'll show you this happens again. This, this, well, it's all through here. 
I'm going to show you a couple of these. I'm hoping this will help you. If you're reading through your Bible and you, re- you get to Leviticus, you get to, you get to Numbers, and you're like, oh, gosh, this is horrible. Most people, they, they start the Bible reading and everything goes great. They're in Genesis and they're reading along and they're reading about Noah and the flood. and Man, everything's going better. And they get to Abraham, they start reading along. But then they get, into, they get into Exodus and everything's going pretty good. You got the plagues and all that and you see Pharaoh. And then after that, they go up to the mountain and then it all falls apart. Exodus chapter 20. God starts saying, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. And from there on back out, you got all these rules and regulations for books and books. You got Numbers, you got Leviticus, you got Deuteronomy. And you're like, man, what is going on here? Well, what's going on here is you got a, you got a priest being set up. You got a priestly, uh, 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 you got priestly uh, set, a setup going on here. What does that mean to me, Brother Keegan? Because I'm not a priest. I'm not going to be, I know you're not. But now you're seeing how... You can look through this, maybe you can read it in a different light. You can read it and say, you know, I am a priest to God. And maybe there's some way I can apply some of these, this spiritually. Look, look at Numbers chapter 17, verse 1. Numbers chapter 17, verse 1. I hope I give you enough time to find it. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and take every one of them a rod according to the house of their fathers, of all their princes, according to the house of their fathers. Twelve rods. Write thou every man's name upon his rod. Let's stop there. What's this story about? It's kind of what Brother Walter's preaching on Wednesday. Korah showed up and Korah says, Hey, what makes Moses and Aaron so special? Why do, they, why do we have to trust in them to go to God? Well, how do we know that God's chosen Aaron? I don't get that. And Korah argued about it. And then God just opened up a big gulf. Swallowed him up, closed up the pit, opened up the pit, just got rid of Korah real quick. Well, God says, you know what? I'm tired of dealing with y'all people arguing with him. I'm going to show you beyond a shadow of a doubt that I've chosen Israel to be a priest. I've chosen Aaron to be the priest. Now, Israel, there's 12 of you tribes. Each one of you tribes, you pick a head of that tribe. You bring me a rod, put his name on that rod. That's what's going on in verse 2, verse 3. And thou shalt write Aaron's name upon the rod of Levi. That's one of the sons of Jacob. For one rod shall be for the head of the house of their fathers. There's 12 tribes, 12 uh, fathers, I mean uh, 12 of these uh, brothers. You write their names on there. Verse 4, And thou shalt lay them up in the tabernacle of the congregation before the testimony where I will meet with you. He says, Lay these rods in my tabernacle in the temple. And at, at that time it was a tabernacle. And he says, You just lay those in there. You just lay them in there. And that's where I, where I meet with you. You lay those in there. Verse 5, and it shall come to pass that the man's rod whom I shall choose shall blossom. And I'll make to cease from me the murmurings of the children of Israel whereby they murmured against you. He said, the man that I choose, that, that rod that has his name on, on there, it's going to blossom. So and I'm taking my, this is a dead branch. That's like going out and just getting a dead branch. You're getting some dead branches. Everybody has, we basically say a staff, a walking stick. And say, okay, write their names on that. Now throw those walking sticks in the tabernacle. And whoever's walking stick blossoms, that's the one I've chosen. And I'm going to get rid of this murmuring. Verse 6, And Moses spake unto the children of Israel, and every one of their princes gave him a rod apiece. For each prince one, according to their father's houses. Even twelve rods, and the rod of Aaron was among their rods. And Moses laid up the rods before the Lord in the tabernacle of witness. Look at verse 8. And it came to pass that on the morrow Moses went into the tabernacle of witness. And behold, the rod of Aaron for the house of Levi was budded and brought forth buds and bloomed blossoms and yielded almonds. <laughs> Woo! He says, uh, I'm going to prove to you. He didn't, they didn't go in there and say, hey, that one looks like it might have a little bit of green growing on there. No, it had green. It had blossoms. It even had almonds hanging off of it. God made sure there's no shadow of a doubt that he chose Aaron to be his priest. Amen. You're a chosen priesthood. You, everyone I'm pointing at, you're a chosen priesthood. Amen. You're chosen by God the Father through Jesus Christ. There's many called if you are chosen. You're chosen. How do you get chose? By putting your name in the hat? Jesus Christ, will you save me? I choose you. <laughs> and now I'm going to make you a priest. And now you're going to serve me spiritually. And I'm going to put my blood on your right here, your blood, my blood on your right hand, and my blood on your right hand. I've got things for you to go do for me. I want you to hear me, and I want you to follow me. And I've covered you in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. What's going on here? Christians, Jesus Christ said in John 15, he said, ye are the branches. 
I'm the vine. You're the branches. And through me, without me, you can do nothing. He's producing the fruit through you. This branch of Aaron's, it was nothing without God. It's just like all the other branches. What made it special? God says, I choose that one. And through the resurrection power, he brought forth the leaf and the almond and blessed. it blossomed and it got green. It was by the resurrection power of God Amen. that that rod did that. It wasn't Aaron's power. It wasn't like Aaron says, I'm going to show them a trick. I'm going to do this. That. It was God's power. And what power was that? It was the resurrection power. What's that? That's to bring life out of the dead. Amen. That's a dead branch. And God says, it's not dead when I'm using it. When I'm using it, it's got power. It's got life. So everybody in this room that's a priest to God, you got that resurrection power in you. You got that eternal life in you. You got Christ living in you. You got power in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You got power to do whatever you need to do for God, spiritually speaking. That's that resurrection power. And it's shown here as that, that brought, but it says, the house of Levi was budded and brought forth buds. Bloomed blossoms and yielded almonds. And Moses brought out all the rods from before the Lord unto all the children of Israel. And they looked and took every man his rod. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine Reuben? He come over there. I, I think my rod's going to be the one. And he looks at that and he looks at Aaron's. And he sees this blossom. He's got almonds on it. His is still dead. You need to have what Aaron has. You need to have that resurrection power. If you're in some cult... Or you're in some kind of religion, and you say, I want what that Christian has. Well, what you need is not what I can give you. What you need is Jesus Christ. You need that resurrection power that's only found in Jesus Christ. It's through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. It's that resurrection power that He came up, that spirit that brought Him up out of the ground, that body that lay dead in the grave for three days, but is risen to live forevermore. That's the power you need. And it'll come in you, and boy, when he comes in and dwells in you, you'll come alive. Amen. I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes like this dead branch, you can physically see it on people. Now, I'm talking about spiritual things, but sometimes in the spiritual world, it's so powerful, you can see it manifest out of somebody in a physical sense. Amen. I mean, I've seen somebody that, that they had this, this dark, darkness about them, this dark look. And man, when they got saved, when Jesus Christ came in and started living in them, their whole face changed. They started, they started just glowing. Remember when Moses was up on the mountain, was getting the Ten Commandments up there for 40 days? When he came down off that mountain, being around God, you know what the Bible said about him? It said his face glowed. It was so bright that he had to put a veil on to cover his face because the brightness scared the people. Now you know why your friends are scared of you. Amen. I know y'all think I'm joking. There's some of y'all friends, your friends are scared of you because they see that resurrection power in you. Amen. And it frightens them. Because they don't know what that is. They don't understand that power. But it's a spiritual sense. That's the kind of power that gives people goosebumps. They're like, hmm. I'm not, I don't believe in this stuff, but... Why is my hair in the back of my neck standing up? I don't believe that preacher. He's just trying to get my money. But why, why, is, why am I getting goosebumps on there every time he mentions hell? Every time he mentions Jesus Christ, why am I getting goosebumps? Oh, that Holy Spirit, man, when it moves. Man, when that Holy Spirit moves among people. People talk about, ah, oh, the Holy Spirit moved, and I've seen people rolling around in the, in the floors, and people were chanting and screaming and hollering. Personally speaking, when I've seen the Holy Spirit move in a big way, there ain't a whole lot of people shouting and yelling. Amen. When I felt the Holy Spirit come into a room, I've been in a church service with, with about 500 other preachers and missionaries all over the world. We were in this one preaching service, and I felt the Holy Spirit just come rushing in there. just almost like a mighty wind. You could just feel it coming over the crowd. And what was just this... And boy, their old, old goose pumples rose up on your, and your hairs on the back of your neck raised up. And I, I remember I just started weeping. Oh, I'm so unworthy. So unworthy, Lord. Lord, I'm unworthy. I'm a sinner. I'm unworthy. And I looked around. I thought, man, I'm embarrassing myself. I looked around. Everybody else was crying. Amen. Everybody else had tears running down their cheeks. When that conviction of the Holy Spirit comes in, you're like, man, this is something. This is something, and this is something I can't control. This is something I have no power over. This is something that wants me and wants to use me. And it scares people. 
Sometimes it'll scare you when the still small voice of God tells you, I want you to do this. You know how many of these missionaries on this wall, when they first were getting that call and go to the missionary field, they'll tell me. Some of them will tell it from the pulpit. They'll tell me, they say, man, brother, pastor, I was scared. God started speaking to me. He said, I want you to go over to India. I said, I don't want to go to India. I want to stay right here. I got a good job, God. You've given me, a, and I thank you for this job, God. Go to India. He said, pastor, it scared me. And I went and told my wife, and it scared my wife. What am I going to do? How am I going to do it? And I went and told my parents, and my parents said, you're not leaving. No. He said, but that still small voice of God to the Holy Spirit kept telling me, you need to go. And pastor, when I turned my life over to Jesus Christ and decided I'm going to follow him with the right ear, with the right hand, with the right thumb, I mean with the right foot, he said, when I turned my life over to God, I can't explain the joy I have. And the relief I have. I've seen God work through men. He, like Brother Eubanks. There's, there's no reason God should be using him. There's nothing about Brother Eubanks you think. You see Brother Eubanks walking through there. You're like who is this old man. That needs to lose weight. And God says I can use him. Amen. And he does. And he can use each and every one of you. And I'm not trying to scare you. But when God gets ready to use you. He'll, he'll start talking to you. That's a good thing. Hey it's a great thing. But it's going to be through his power. And my point to you I'm making is, don't worry. You say, well, I can't do this. I can't do that. I know you can't. And I can't either. But with the power of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ of the Holy Spirit, you can be amazed what God can do through you. Because it's not you doing it. It's Jesus Christ doing it through you. Amen. Doing it through you. So finally, I want to point out that every priest, that, uh, every priest even a non-Christian, I mean non-Jewish priest, every priest I've ever seen always had a temple. They always had a temple, because a priest is not a priest without a temple. You say, well, where's our temple? Where's our temple at? Well, it's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And we'll close here. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. You've got a temple. You're serving God in a temple. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Well, where's my temple? Well, here it is. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Where's my temple? Here's the temple you're serving God in. 1 <clears throat> Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, while you're finding it. While you're finding it in Revelation, Jesus Christ said He's going to make us kings and priests unto God. In Revelation 20, it says we're priests unto God Almighty. This isn't just Peter telling us, it's Jesus Christ and John told us to the book of Revelation, we're going to be priests. But look in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God? God. Amen. Ooh. You know what the temple of God is? Your body. Amen. I've already told you multiple times in this sermon that Jesus Christ lives in you. If you're a born again believer, Christ in you, the hope of glory, the Holy Spirit is in you. So where's God's temple? It's you. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? Amen. He's talking to born again believers. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. I'm not trying to scare you, but you've got a responsibility, priests. Priests, you've got a responsibility to keep your temple clean Amen. to the best of your ability. I know it's hard to do living in the world we're living in. It seems like everything you, everything you look at is filthy. Every time you, you're driving down the road and you're looking, there'll be something filthy. You go in the store, there's something filthy. Everything is filthy, 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 filthy. But you got a job to say, I know it's all filthy, but I'm going to keep on cleaning. When the pigs come in, I'm going to clean it up and drive the pigs out. When the dogs come in, I'm going to drive the dogs out and I'm going to clean it up. And the next day, guess what happens? The pigs come back. And the dogs come back. And they make a mess of things. And you know what you're going to need to do? Clean it up. And you're going to get tired of it. If you've lived a Christian life and walked with the Lord for a while, there's going to come time you're going to wake up and you're going to say, I'm done. <laughs> Today, I, I'm, not going to, I'm done. <laughs> I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of this fight. I'm done. But I'm here to tell you, keep on fighting. Because as soon as you think, I'm done, 
You're going to let all the pigs in, all the dogs in. They're going to reside in there. And some Christians have let the pigs and dogs reside in their temple. Not for a day, not for a month, but for years and years and years. And you know what? I, I'm going to tell you something honest. When I've met a Christian, a born-again believer, that I really believe is a born-again believer that's let the pigs and the dogs sleep and run in their temple for years and years, you can see it all over them. It's, it's almost in their face, in their appearance. When I see a Christian that cleans up their temple and cleans, up the, cleans the dogs and the pigs out and tries, does a good job of trying to get those pigs and those dogs run out of the temple, they, they have a better look to them. Your temple is, is your body. And so what that means is God's living in you, right? And that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. What does that mean? Wherever you go, God goes. Whatever you watch, God's watching. Whatever you're saying, God's listening to it. God's right there with you the whole time. You know what he says? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. Now, I'm not God, and I'm not going to speak for God or anything, but I know I've seen Christians that live, live like the devil, let the pigs and the, the dogs run in their life, and that includes what I... I'm, I'm, I'm making references, spiritual references to demons and just this demonic world we live in. And I wonder when I see a Christian go young, I'm like, ooh, I wonder sometimes. Because I, I know this verse right here. And I'm not trying to scare you, but I'm trying to warn you. You need to do all you can to keep your temple clean. Because there's a warning right there. This is Pauline. This is doctrinal scripture. This is, not, this is for you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. Why? For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. It's a warning. Now, does that mean you're going to go to hell? No. What, this body will get destroyed. God might just take you home early. Take you on to heaven. Say, so, you know what? You're, you're down there making more of a mess and you're helping. You're letting the dogs and the pigs run in the temple. You're not doing anything for me. I put the blood of Jesus Christ on you and you're not doing anything. You're a priest of mine and you're worthless. Did that happen in the Old Testament? Yeah. Y'all remember the stories in the Old Testament of the priests that didn't behave? God says, I want you to take the fire from this altar and take this fire and I want you to use that fire for in the holy of holies and in the most holy. I want you to use that fire. So one of Aaron's sons, one of his own sons, he took some fire, from the, the Bible called it strange fire. He didn't take it from the main altar. He went over here and he said, hey, let me see some of that fire from the camp. Is this an old campfire? He takes that fire in there and the Bible says he went in there and he put that fire in there and God killed him. Amen. Dead. Killed him dead. There's times where a priest wasn't doing what God wanted him to do, and God says, you know what, I'm going to kill your kids right there. Because they're not, they're priests. It was a priest and his sons, and his sons were priests, and those priests, they were sleeping with the women that were coming to the temple, and God says, I've been watching it, and I'm fed up with it. And he killed them. God killed them. Amen. See, there's precedence for this stuff. That's what I'm saying. When you read through your Old Testament, and you see God doing this stuff, you say, I know that's not talking to me, Doctrinally, but spiritually speaking, I am a priest. I am a priest unto God. So, here's the truth. God's given you this amazing, incredible power. And it's a blessing to be called a priest of God. Everybody in here, you're blessed to be called a priest of God. But there's also a responsibility there, too. God says, I, I'm going to live in you, and how wonderful is that that God lives? How wonderful, guys, is that God lives in us? That's wonderful. You got, the, you got in you, you got the testimony of Abba, Father. You got the testimony that you're going to go to heaven. You got the testimony that everything's going to be, no matter what happens, everything's going to be all right. That's a wonderful thing, and that comes from the Holy Spirit living in you. But the downside of that is the Holy Spirit's living in you. The Holy Spirit's living in an unholy temple. And you're the priest that's supposed to keep it clean. Amen. The best way you can, keep it clean. God will take care of you. God will take care of it. Everything's going to be okay. Uh, chapter 6, verse 19. I'm going to read these and we'll go home. What? Know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have a God, and ye are not your own. Amen. 
He says, you don't, belong to you. you don't belong to yourself anymore. Remember, you're a living sacrifice. God owns you, and God lives in you, and God wants to control you. Now, I know that scares you, and you say, well, I, I don't want to go that way. I want to go this way. But if you'll just let God go, take you the way he wants to go, it's going to be wonderful. Wonderful life. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, I'm going to read this last verse, guys, and I promise you we're done. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Amen. That verse right there says, What's the what, what are you having idols put in the temple of God? Why are you worshiping? Why is, something, why is some false idol being put into the temple of God? So you got to be careful what you watch on TV, what you're listening to, the music you're listening to, what you're, the people you're listening to. You got to be, you got to be careful about all of that because you're carrying around God in your body, and He's having to listen to all of that. And God warns you, I put up. With, I'm not gonna put up with a bunch of it. I'll destroy you. <laughs> That's a scary thought. But the other side of that is a wonderful thought. Man, you mean that same power that, got that, that brought that dead branch to life is living in me? Yeah, that same power. That same power that was raising the dead, that's healing the sick, that's preaching and that's, causing, that's calming the storm, that power, that power is in you Amen. through Jesus Christ. Amen. And that's how you're going to have eternal life. And one day this body is going to go in the grave. God's going to give you a new temple, like unto His, a brand new temple that'll be holy. You don't have to worry about it anymore. That's a, you might not realize, that's going to be the best thing about heaven. You might not realize it. People say, oh, heaven is going to be gold, and I'm going to get to see my family. And I'm, yeah, that's, those are wonderful things. Streets of gold, all this other stuff. Seeing Jesus Christ. But the most wonderful thing about heaven is being in a sinless body. Amen. Not having to worry about sin anymore. Amen. Because if you're a good Christian, and I, I, I believe you would be or you wouldn't be in this morning, you're trying not to do the wrong things. Amen. And in this world we're living in, that's near impossible. But I promise you guys, just keep on fighting because there's going to come a time where God's going to say, okay, I'm done with that body. I'm going to give you this new body. It doesn't have Adam's blood in it. It's a new body. Amen. It's incorruptible. Oh, no more worry of sin. Satan's took out of the way. No more temptation. I can't wait to just be able to think and not worry about what I'm thinking about. Amen. 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 I was up in Dallas Friday. You know how much sin I committed up in Dallas? Just with my thoughts? You think I'm joking with you? Just look over here, bad thought. Look over there, bad thought. Car pulls up beside me, I want to run them off the road, bad thought. All the time. Just fighting it, fighting it. I can't wait till we're no more fighting. And it's all thanks to Jesus Christ and his precious blood and his resurrection power. Guys, you're priests. You're a royal priesthood. God bless y'all. And I hope you're able to do something for the Lord through him. And he wants to do something with you. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray, Father, for these people, Lord God. I pray you bless them, Lord God. I pray some of these words, Father, are kind of hard, Lord God, for us Christians, Lord God, as we see that you... You have, a, you have a warning there about destroying us, Lord God. But I know, you're, I know one thing about you, Father, above all else, you're long-suffering. And boy, you put up with a lot of foolishness. You put up with a lot of stuff, Lord. And I know you're long-suffering, Father. And you're not just quick to judge, quick to, to destroy us, Lord God. And we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for your long-suffering, Lord. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy, Lord. We thank you you're a God that loves us and that, that does, has the best intentions for us, Lord. I pray, Father, that these Christians out here, Lord God, there's some of them that are really fighting the fight, Lord God. They're trying not to sin, Lord God. I pray, Father, through your Holy Spirit, Lord God, give them that power. Give them some victory, Lord God, that they might turn around and give you the praise and the honor and glory, Lord God, and realize we're not, we're not trusting ourselves. We're trusting in the power through the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ. Now, Father, if there's somebody who needs the sound of my voice, it's a pig or a dog. Or they look at themselves and say, my life is it's just, I, I don't have nothing special about my life. I, 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 there's nothing about my life that's special at all, Lord God. I pray, Father, that you'd speak to the heart of the truth, Lord God, that you, you, can, you can clean them up. And no matter what they've done, Lord God, you can clean them and save them and have a place waiting for them up in heaven, Lord God, and you'll come and dwell with them, Lord God. And I can't describe enough the wonderful beauty of having you dwelling in me, Lord God. And I pray, Father, if somebody out there that doesn't have that indwelling of the Holy Spirit, they never asked Jesus Christ to save them, Lord God. They've heard about church, they've heard about Jesus Christ, but they don't know him like we know him in the spiritual sense and belief and faith. 
Lord, I pray, Father, you speak to the heart the truth, Lord God, that it might get saved. Lord, I pray a special blessing on these people, Lord God. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him